0: Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mike.
1: Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a
2: therapist in your area, please contact us on
1: social media.
2: Hey, hey, everybody, welcome back to Three Psychs and the Mike, the not your typical mental health podcast, we are bringing some much needed content during this week, um, as we are still fighting the fight for racial injustice. On Wednesday, we did a Facebook Live um, with the topic of racial trauma and the impacts of mental health. And so the episode that we're going to be bringing you is a play of that Facebook Live if you were not able to attend Um, so hopefully you enjoyed the episode we did want to send a special thank you out to our guest Dr. C.J. Helm who is the Workforce and Career Development Advisor for the CDC's Center of Global Health Um, we brought him on the episode because of his extensive experience with um, trauma as well as his research on racial microaggressions and how that shapes healing in the black community. And so hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Hopefully you're able to grab some tidbits. Hopefully you're able to really hone in on some of the areas that we talked about. And we're just going to kick it right on off. Be well, be safe and keep fighting. All right. See y'all on the other side. I'm excited. Well, I'm not excited
0: about the topic, but I'm excited to get
2: Okay. I'm excited to be talking about it. Hopefully it's helpful. I know that was that was my conflict. I was like, I'm really excited about the live, but I'm not excited about the live. Hi Ann. I feel Thanks like I'm joining
0: about racial trauma for 45 days. I feel like this is my third this is my second live yes. and my
2: fourth formal conversation. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about racial trauma just today. So much so I had to take a nap after, like, work. I I took, like, an hour nap. Message. I was like, I got to, because I was exhausted. All right. So people are joining. Thank y'all for coming. We're giving everybody a little bit of time to come in. Well, while we do that, do you want to do a quick check-in, introduce? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So I I think um, a check-in is cool. I I know we typically will check in with just kind of like, how you doing? How you feeling? That type of thing. But um, I was having a conversation with one of my friends and the comment that they said was like, keep on keeping on. Like Mm -hmm. that was kind of one of the comments that they said that stuck with me. And I had that question of, like, what's keeping me keeping on? Like, how am I keeping on? Like, that type of thing. And so I think that'd be a cool check-in. Like, yeah. how are you keeping on? You know, when people say keep on keeping on, it sounds super easy. Um, but it's not that simple, especially right now. Not for me. Um, so, What is keeping you guys keeping on? Like, how are you keeping on? Yeah. Um,
1: honestly, for me, it's it's been a so- little rough um, I was planning on kind of you know taking a break um, from work but I did call out black yesterday nice um, you know I had I had just a lot going on hadn't been sleeping very well um, and stayed up really late just working on other stuff and I was like you know I just I need a day, I need yeah. A
2: day. yeah I'm glad you did that mm-hmm. I thought about it on Monday um, calling out black And it's funny because I actually like I shared that with the director of my organization. You know, I was like I was going to take a day. I was going to call out black, you know, Um, and that prompted her to, you know, have a conversation with me about it today and just kind of talk a little bit. So I guess the thing that's keeping me on, like keeping me keeping on Mm -hmm. is um, just being able to have like welcome spaces like. From um, like people close to me, but also like spaces that are surprised, like I'm surprised about. So, for instance, like the director of my or like my company, and just like coworkers or you know friends that I haven't talked to in a while um, mm-hmm. have checked in. Um, you know, so that's been really helpful um, to have those kind of surprise supportive spaces. So that's mm-hmm. been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, April? For me,
0: um, I give myself permission to check out. So I spend the evening watching my Marvel comic universe. Well, let me not say my because I'm, I'm a newbie to this. So let me not make it seem because like, okay, I, I had to go to Wikipedia every movie. Like, okay, now who is? It's <laughs> Ultron. So it's Ultron, Jarvis. <laughs> what is can somebody explain? I should not be watching this by myself so <laughs> only April. Only April goes back and does a research study. Yeah, I do, every, I do.
1: Movie,
0: every movie I watch. It's a, it's a problem, like, I watch all the extras. I need to, it's bad. It's, That's um, so
2: funny. You have to in Marvel, though, because there's so many storylines.
0: Like, and if somebody told me I didn't need to watch all the movies, um, before I went to see Infinity War and all that. They yeah. lied. <laughs> I, I, now this makes sense That's Right. What. So, I've been giving myself Permission to just yeah. um, To detach As needed sure. I also um, have been putting in Boundaries um, Some of my well-meaning white friends um, yes. Have demanded Not demanded in a bad way But have wanted to process and talk And I've just been able to say I, I can't and that has been super helpful and and to be okay because then sometimes i feel like not and just being able to say i can't do it right now um Mm -hmm. and being able to ask for help has been huge i've had some some co-workers step in i probably should have called in black monday i went in and did not make it through and somebody stepped in and said i got it i'll take care of it It gave me an opportunity to just shut my door and work which was huge Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm
1: -hmm. I want to acknowledge Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for watching.
2: Hi,
3: Jess. Thanks for watching. Yeah.
2: Thanks hey, for- and we have a guest tonight. Um, there are four squares. You are not seeing things, right? <laughs> so tonight we are four psychs and a mic, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so we have a guest, Dr. CJ here with us. Um, and we'll do kind of the Introduction. Introduction. Later, but just wanted to check in and see what's got you keeping on, keeping on.
4: Um, I have been working on my house, and there's nothing about me that's handy at all. But just, just breaking <laughs> stuff and kind of getting back on YouTube, figuring out how to repair the stuff before I have to call somebody to bring their mask inside my house while they germs. Um, so that's been kind of keeping me um, going and keeping me distracted, and having a ton of parties. By myself, mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a party. Hello, I recently rediscovered Dirty Money with Diddy. It is just, <laughs> I don't know why, but it, it, it gives me a little bit of extra. And so, nice. I'm going and having a, my own dance party, try to get my, my Diddy Bop back together. <laughs> <laughs> i be back where I need to be. Yeah. Whatever
2: yeah. you want to do, whatever you whatever got to do. You gotta do. Let me tell you, because it's rough. It's been rough, you know. Um, so, yeah, Bridget, Bridget, um, who is watching, says that she's been working from home and taking her precious time. Right. You know, they'll get it when they get it. Yeah. And I think that is something that is really needed because I, I think for especially for me, I'll speak for me as a black woman, Um, especially during this time, I have like the tendency to feel like I need to really show up. And kind of amp it up. Um, like that's what I think, but my body says no. And so I think it's really important to like give yourself that ability, that permission to say, like, they'll get it when they get it, and the world won't fall apart and everything will be okay. You know, so that's good. That's good. That's good. All okay. right.
0: So should we go ahead with the 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 gathering activity?
2: Yes, let's do it.
0: Okay. <laughs> um So, one thing I um, thought would be a really cool thing to do um, is start with a brief meditation just to give us an opportunity to reset and center. Many of us have been glued to our phones, the TV screen, or just screens in general, and and it, it affects our body. You know, like our brain responds to these things and it's activating responses and being able to just slow down. So, just a small one. So, I invite you to join. Us in this meditation, get comfortable. Um, If you like, you can close your eyes. If you're driving, please don't. Just log on later. Slow with us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just don't meditate in your your body, but not not on the road. Um, So just find a comfortable position and just slowly begin to let your body relax. If you're comfortable, close your eyes, or you may just lower your gaze, find a soft part of the room. And slowly just follow your breath. You don't have to do anything with your breath, just follow. And on the next breath, whenever that comes for you, take a deep breath in through your nose, inhaling fully, and slowly exhale through your nose or your mouth. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Fully allowing your lungs to expand as much air as possible
3: and slowly release.
0: Now, continue to do that at your own rhythm and try to relax your body with every inhale and exhale. And if you find your mind wandering, that's okay, that's what the mind was created to do. Come back to your breath, because your breath is your anchor. This is what centers you and connects you to your life force.
3: Take note of your
0: body. Are you tense? Anywhere, lower your shoulders. We often hold stress in our shoulders and our neck. Try to breathe tension, sorry, breathe relaxation into
3: any areas of tension. Just breathe. Your own rhythm. Give yourself a gift of this moment, at this time. And in your mind, I want
0: you to create a picture. Imagine our place where you feel at ease, a place where you feel peaceful and loved. Be a favorite place that you've been or an imaginary place. Just visualize that, and let your body relax. I want you to repeat the movements solemnly in your mind. I am valuable. I am worthy. My future is bright and positive. My life matters. My voice matters. I am valuable, I am worthy, my future is bright and positive, my life matters, my voice matters. Just take it back to your attention, to your breath, Let's take three deep breaths as we close. Again, inhale fully. Exhale, visualizing all the stress leaving your body on every exhale. Again, inhale. Exhale, try to make it an audible exhale if you can. Last one, inhale deeply. Slowly exhale. Whenever you're ready, come back to the room. Slowly bring your attention back. I need to rush it. We'll be here. All right. How are y'all feeling after that? Tell us in the comments if you, if you were able to join along with us. What was that like? Ooh, I mean about 10 more minutes. <laughs> <to finish. laughs> I know, it right? It goes by fast. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, it does. It does. That was needed. I feel, I feel much more grounded. Yeah, I feel much more grounded. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah I think
1: I needed that too, just in preparation for the conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got yeah. one person that said, "Like stress literally left my body." Right, yeah.
4: I see somebody else mention how tight their chest is and that they really yeah. need right. yeah, yeah. Because we hold
0: it, we hold trauma in our body. The body remembers. Hey. Yeah. yeah,
2: the body remembers. There's a um book that talks about PTSD, um called The Body Keep Score. Right. Yep. And so sure the, body the body remembers the body remembers.
0: Good. Yeah, well, I'm glad. And y'all, and the cool thing about stuff like that is that was maybe three minutes. Yeah. You can do it right before bed, especially if you have trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you find yourself being tight um, in a workday or or in your car, is your breath. I was going to say, your breath is your anchor. Um, yeah. Because our our brain doesn't always do a good job differentiating perceived threats and and actual threat. It responds the same way as if it was a tiger versus a news story. Yeah, absolutely. And breathe. It, it sends those signals and calms it down just just enough to sense it. it just got to give time. So, um, thank you all for, for joining joining with that brief um, meditation.
3: Yeah. I also want
1: to point out too that a lot of us have. You know, if you don't feel like you are skilled enough to do any kind of guided breath and, you know, not even sure how to start. A lot of us are carrying around uh things to help us do deep breathing in your smart watches. Right. So mm-hmm. my watch has a, a deep breathing medicine, medicine it, and I absolutely use it. Um Apple Watch users, you know, or just. You know, find something soothing and just, you know, say I'm gonna just take some slow, deep breaths for five minutes. Um, do it at your
3: desk. Yeah. As people
1: said do it in oh, yeah. car, wherever you can take a moment. It all that needs it, and take listen to your body and take that time to
3: decompress.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah. Especially during this time, you know, it's it's definitely needed. Um, so thank y'all for doing it with us. You know, uh, we appreciate that. Hopefully you feel like grounded. You're ready to have this conversation. Cause it's a big conversation to have. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to start with a meditation to ground us. Um, because I think this is a very charged conversation. Um, it comes with a lot of emotions. It comes with a lot of thoughts, a lot of perspectives, a lot of feeling. Um, and sometimes, if we're not grounded, we can really get caught up in that or mute it all out. And so, hopefully, that was a good way to ground you for the conversation, um, because we're not gonna hold y'all long, right? But <laughs> we gonna have this conversation. Go back to my Baptist roots. We're not gonna hold you long. <laughs> We mean it. <laughs> I got one more movie to go tonight. <laughs> So um, we want to start off with talking a little bit about the purpose for why we thought this would be an important conversation to have outside of the fact that it's literally everywhere you go. You know, like if you wanted to avoid it, I really don't think you could like it's literally everywhere. Um, And so outside of that fact, um, we wanted to have this conversation. Um, because it's something that's extremely important. Um, it's something that definitely um, touches my life, and I can speak for everybody else on here. I'm gonna do that, and touches all of our lives. Um, and so we think it's really important to um, have the conversation to acknowledge it. One, because racial trauma permeates so much of Black life. Um, it's so much a part of our experience here in America, and oftentimes we can downplay it because it's so much a part of our life. We don't have spaces to talk about it often, or if we do, it's in a reaction, right? Like what we're doing right now. And so we thought it'd be important to acknowledge um, what racial trauma does, how it impacts our mental health, how it impacts us as a community, um, how it impacts us individually. Um, And so we wanted to take a little bit of time tonight to bring it forward. Um, What are some of the other reasons you guys think this is an important conversation to have? Yeah. So another reason
1: is that a lot of times we um, experience so much of this stuff and people don't really know how to manage all of the intense emotions. I think that comes up with that, you know, and for some, you know, we can identify I'm angry, I'm feeling helpless, I'm feeling all these different things. And even if you acknowledge and you understand where it's coming from, you may not know then what to do with all of that emotion. And so one of the purposes um, for this conversation is so not only to you know give you space, but also to give you some strategies and techniques on what to do with all of that emotion. How do you manage that so that it doesn't um, overwhelm your, or your life?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I like what you're saying about the um, the emotionality of it all. I think my whole perspective is really been trying to get, especially men and children, to increase their emotional vocabulary. But there's more to us than just being pissed or being mad. And I'm a firm believer that each emotion comes with its own options for a response. If I only box them to anger or only box them to being pissed off, then I only know one or two ways to handle it. So, I'm trying to get the word out there that this is affecting us in a myriad of different ways. But because of that, there's so much that we already do that can help us be resilient. We just need to pull those out and put some highlights on that so that our men, our community, our women, our children all know they're strong enough to bounce back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Y'all said it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. click everything, thank you No <laughs> um, I think it's important to have it Because you can't acknowledge, I mean you can't heal What you don't acknowledge um, yeah. So I, I'm big in being able to Name name stuff Um. So yeah, that's really the biggest Thing, let's just put a name to it Call yeah. it what it is So we can then um, heal In the best way that we can Also, mm-hmm. note, uh, for those listening, definitely put Any questions you have in the comments also,
1: yes fine yeah. Over. Yeah. All right, So I think it's gonna be important for us to kind of start the conversation with why do we find ourselves in this situation that we're in right now? Like what is the history behind it? I think a lot of people understand, you know, there's you know lots of um, history of racism and things of in this country. But I'm not sure that we all have the history behind, you know, where all this is coming from. You know, this is not this is not a new fight for us. This mm-hmm. is a fight that has been going on since the you know 1800s, 1700s. Like we have been in this struggle um, for so long, and it's just been a continuation of a struggle. And there's some of this that has, that's part of our, it's almost part of our DNA. Like our ancestors, you know, have passed this stuff down, you yeah. know, for us to, you know, be able to react and respond to a lot of this stuff. So this is not new. This is a a, a struggle for um, all Black people where we deal with racism on a daily, they, on a minute by minute basis, some of us. So Um, There's a lot of history behind that. And that history, um, you know, is linked to why we even experience racial trauma in the first place and why there's a lot of mental health issues in the Black community.
2: Yeah, yeah. We have a really good comment in um, the comment section that says, "Um, Dr. CJ, you hit on a big thing for men. Um, We're only given the option of reacting with anger. And don't know we can respond with other emotions, um, and so when thinking about just like historical, um, the context of where that comes from. Um, do you want to say a little bit more about that, and just kind of what you like, what you've been working on, how you feel about that?
4: Sure, um, I think that the historical context of it is that African American men, in particular we're always uh, seen as a commodity. I mean, you would see them come up and measure us by our arms, our lengths, our of our penises, our height. They wanted to make sure there was a virile texture to who we were. And that has been passed down throughout our lineage, that to be strengthened, to to withstand means to be quiet, means to suffer through. And then there's always that explosion behind it. And even to this day, we get individuals who will um, reward individuals for being mad and say, oh, he's just this. or he was just just upset. And that's not actually what happened. He was disappointed. But one of the things that I really love about uh, what's happening lately, and I go back to Kobe Bryant, I'm so impressed with the amount of black male tears that I saw for Kobe Bryant. Mm, yeah. and the amount of men hugging each other and saying, oh, it's going to be okay, brother. It's going to be okay. And letting another man cry into the pocket of your shoulder. That's safe. There is not something that we have been practice that doing. So now it comes off as of being weird or soft or insensitive, and I don't know what to do with that. So instead of putting my emotions into a positive place, I find a, a place that's not positive, and that oftentimes creates anger or creates discomfort that I still don't know how to deal with. So I'm trying to be an example with individuals, and then we're also walking through uh, emotions. I always tell my clients, give me three. I want three. So my boys will walk in and they'll say, Doc, I'm mad. I'm like, "Great, hey, I'm with it. I'm cool. Give me two more. If you cannot give me two more, we can't It forces them to yeah. talk with other words, when we start somewhere else. They can have those options.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, you brought up something, too, when we think about racial trauma and even what people are experiencing right now. This is Specifically, Black people have not always been allowed to grieve and to be angry out loud across genders, right? Yeah. Some of it's safety, um, when I, I went to the, the EJI um, lynching memorial a few years ago, and there was one story of a woman who went to the police after her husband was lynched, and they killed her. And that just mm. showed that, you know, when you think about history, epigenetics, how we hold and carry DNA um, of trauma even through generations, that lineage of history of you're not even allowed to cry out in pain and yeah. what that looks like Present day is often being silenced or gaslit. Like even now in 2020, we still have people who do not believe that racism exists. That the things that people are protesting actually happen. Like every day, I, I see a devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't apply or they don't come out for black crime. I mean, so even now we are we don't have our trauma recognized legitimately, even in a DSM five. There's no reason that racial trauma is not, should, should why is that not a diagnosis? So we often don't even have the space to emote um, and then having a safe space to emote. So that's when a lot of people, some people mention like their chest hurt or just feeling tight or even unworthy is because where are our spaces that we can say this without being infringed upon um, because I think Black people also, historically, because of safety, have been taught to take care of white feelings as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's hard to manage those things. And then if no one has come out and said, hey, what you're experiencing is a traumatic reaction. You're not going crazy. Okay. You're not being hypersensitive. You're not numb. You're having a trauma reaction.
2: Yeah. And we
0: are, thankfully, now we have the language. We have, you know, people in professions like us that can kind of help us navigate this. But um, I think it's super important.
4: Yeah. I just to jump in, I love that idea that you're, public people understand they're not known. It has been one of the biggest things that I've been talk, talking about over the last six uh, weeks. And I want folks to understand that the narrative that is being give to, given to us about our emotionality, the words that are being acceptable for us to use are not often words that accurately describe our experiences. So from mm-hmm. to that I'm numb to be without any sensation or any feelings about what's going on, it's completely incorrect when I can't sleep, my back hurts, I'm laying mm-hmm. up, I don't know what's going on with me, I feel on edge, there's a knot in my throat, that's not being numb, it's not in it yeah. at all. So I love that you that you said that we're having a response to trauma, and that's that's what it is, and we have to have some language behind talking it. Yeah, yeah. About it. I appreciate that. Yeah,
2: right. And I I think it's so important to be able to like put language into it. Like like April always says, words mean something. Right. And so being able to like put language to what we're experiencing, because I think oftentimes those emotions come up and we don't acknowledge them. We don't put language to them and they get trapped in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Right. So like like you're saying, Charles, like. Um, you, you get headaches. Now you got migraines every night. You can't sleep. You are, you know, having difficulty with like digestive things like you can't you don't you have a appetite. Right. right. Or you snacking on everything. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like all of those things are real trauma reactions. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been like it's been too long. It's been too far gone that our experience haven't been characterized as traumatic Mm -hmm. like the experiences are traumatic you know and it's so important to look at what that looks like for our community because i think when we think about trauma we think about it being only direct it's Mm -hmm. something that i myself experienced and there are so many different types of trauma it does not have to be direct Um, It can be vicarious trauma, which is experiencing trauma through experiencing other people's trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. So being traumatized by the trauma of others. And that happens every time we see a black body laying on the ground. Every time we see a video of police shootings, every time we see um, brutality happening on people who look like us. We experience trauma through seeing those things, hearing those things repeatedly talking about those things you know like those things are considered traumatic and we have those reactions that come with trauma right i think we've also
1: normalized um victimizing ourselves by mm-hmm. telling ourselves we must watch that right that girl okay so we <laughs> have we have this we have this idea that we must witness this over and over and over again. And that that in and of itself is another response to trauma. Like we 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 feel like we will be able to manage it and deal with it better the next time. You know, there's a reason why individuals who have experienced trauma have a greater percentage of re-experiencing another trauma. And one of those reactions is because I feel like I'm going to be able to protect myself the next time. Right. And they often find themselves in a situation to be re-victimized. And so Mm -hmm. you don't have to accept the narrative that we need to watch the video. You need to protect yourself from being re-victimized. And that's one of the ways, and not saying that, you know, if there are some people who need to see it in order to, you know, have an outward reaction to then act and engage in social justice, then, then so be it. But you don't have to accept that narrative that you have to do that. Um, Sometimes you need to pull away as a form of protection.
0: This is one of the heels that I can dive on. That <laughs> there is not just a, a mental health reason to not watch it. There's also something that is very sinister. Um, how easy it is to view, to view black death. Mm-hmm. Like ah. I, I could post a video of a dog getting hit repeatedly. You no, know, my Facebook account will be deleted. I would get reported, but yet I can show over and over again, someone being choked to death, being shot, You seeing their last moments. And it's shared on the news, without not even a warning. Yeah. And it reminds me, I, keep, I love history. It reminds me of lynchings and how people would parade the body through the neighborhood as a token or a souvenir, or take pieces of the body as a souvenir. Yeah. And to have those visuals of injustice and then to pair it with not seeing any justice as a result, what is that doing to your psyche? To see yeah. this brutality, and then to also see that nothing happens to the perpetrators and mm-hmm. doing. We're now ten years in the game, where where some of this, you know, where we're catching it on camera. Ten years. So I question the idea that people need to see it in order to mm-hmm. move. Because if somebody told me they got robbed, I don't need to see the video. See it. I'm going to believe you because you just told me you were robbed. If someone told me they got assaulted. I'm not going to ask them. Well, show me your rape kit. Show me your the video of the assault. Because if I do, that means I never was going to believe you in the first place. So it goes back to what Eric, whatever said about re revictimization, and part of trauma often happens for those who are victims of um, violence. So just from it, they, we tend to blame ourselves for it, right? Because we got to make wow. sense yeah. of oh, some of that that disconnect. Well, maybe I need to show this dead body or black body so people will get it and then they'll understand then they'll right. come outside and it's like no they no no
4: I think, I think there's there's a lot that goes into that emotional blood we're trying to get individuals mm-hmm. to understand that having a emotional diet is just as important as having a nutritional diet. <laughs> if you don't I, like it, I like that you're gonna have some t-shirt <laughs> okay <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> and, yeah. And if, you're, if you're not careful about what you are taking in emotionally, you will have congestion that will keep you up at night, that will affect the way that you move in the morning, that will affect your thoughts. And that goes for Facebook, Instagram, television, anything that we're consuming. you got to be intentional about it. And there is this interesting, almost bipolar um, way of it, or polarizing way of it, where individuals feel that because of generationalized trauma, because I've seen people be victimized and over and over again, I'm not going to be a victim. So I have to be informed. If there's yeah. something out there, I got to know it. I got to do it so that I can do better. And I can teach the community to do, do better. That is exhausting. Yeah, that is exhausting. And then it's the other side of where individuals have said, I, "I've seen this before. I choose not to engage at all." And there's a responsibility in that as well. So I want us to get to a place where we are making the decision to give. I'm going to mm. give this energy to you, I'm going to give this emotions to you, or I'm going to give my life to this. You cannot mm. take this from me, because I'm standing here with purpose, with pride, and with a full awareness of my process of how I got here, and this is what I'm allowing to happen in my life.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. I think you bring up um, a really good point about um, generational trauma, and we have a question um, in the chat box, um, Richard Perilla said, can there be generational trauma transferred and how can that be treated? And I think you know you just answered that first part, right um, that trauma can be transferred. Um, do you guys want to say a little bit more about that part?
4: Yeah I think that and I'm, I'm gonna, gonna fall back, but it's this whole idea that um, you know and I know we're gonna get to battle fatigue and all racial battle fatigue and all that. But it's the physiological response. So we've even seen studies about uh, prenatal care and yep. the trauma that, you know, mom may be experiencing this in the household and how that directly affects you in beautiful. So this generational trauma is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I always people tell people that you know only what you know. And so if your mom or dad are in relationship with trauma and they're unaware of it, your butt is in relationship with trauma just as well. And you're likely to have some of the same responses to them. So, I'm telling individuals, like when I have been a part of the correctional system for about 13 years, that they'll tell me that um, I broke up with this young lady. And I tell them that until they can process what that about, they're going to find that same young lady just with blonde hair or with red hair. Mm-hmm. You're going after the same thing that's comfortable for you. And that's that yeah. generational trauma being passed down from individual to individual without having a conversation of why. Why do I think that this is okay? Why am I looking for that? We have got to learn to talk, but we're just not really equipped to do that in a very practiced way that feels safe. At least that's my thoughts.
1: I also want to add too. You know, you brought up a good. Um, you know, the the behavioral manifestations of what that trauma looks like, but you know, we know that generational trauma is in our can be in our genes. You know, we think about substance abuse. And how yep. real substance abuse, or you know, um, is you know, can be genetic, the same way that racial trauma can be genetic. Um, yep. April mentioned epigenetics, and the idea of epigenetics is that there are genes, our genes can turn on and our genes can turn off. So there are some people who racial trauma has been passed down through your genes. Some people, you can have a hundred people witness the same event. And different people are going to respond differently to that event. And the explanation for that is your genes for, for trauma may be triggered and turned on. And when that happens, this is when you start to see some of the mental health issues manif- manifesting in that individual. So there is a again, this is not a made up concept. And it's so sad that this is actually a mental health issue. This is a physiological, biological, genetic issue in our community that has completely been ignored you are not to be just like the alcoholic who has granddad great granddad great 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 granddad who were all alcoholics there is a reason for that but when it manifests in black brown bodies it's not accepted Mm -hmm. when it's the exact same same thing and so what we want to do if they don't accept it they meaning whoever doesn't want to accept that black brown bodies are human, like everyone else, then we as a community need to understand, learn, and be able to manage these things for ourselves. Yeah. The more we know, the better we're going to be able to respond to these things.
2: So very true. Uh, oh. I wanna address
0: the last part of this question was how can it be treated? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he didn't specify racial trauma, but I'm gonna just interject that. If you're talking about treating racial trauma you can't really treat it without treating injustice and white supremacy. So you can manage the symptoms of it and and try to reduce those. But until um, there are systemic changes, it's very hard to manage to to just get rid of racial trauma because that's only the reaction to the event, but you can minimize some of the effects. So some things like consuming the news wisely, and I saw a comment on here, somebody feels guilty about not saying connect. Yeah. No, that's self preservation. Um, because your your duty right now, and I think Charlotte may have said this, said earlier, we are experiencing two crises. We have coronavirus and
2: yeah. racial
0: trauma. Right now, your main du- duty is to survive. Because when you're yeah. surviving and you become a whole person, then you can go be the best activist you can be. This is not going to be over by Friday. You got no. time. So that means you need to take off, uh, turn off the TV. That's the way of dealing with racial trauma. You don't need to, mm-hmm. as Erica said, re-traumatize yourself in, in the name of solidarity. Um, finding spaces where you can talk about it openly finding people who also affirm you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was very intentional about saying I am valuable, I am worthy, because yes. you are con- continuously seeing images of people like you being undervalued or devalued. It's easy to internalize that. So being around people who say, I see you, I value you, I respect you. How can I help you? All of those things of support that's crucial, but guarding what you see, what you hear. And also, this is a little personal thing. This ain't really a psychology thing. Stop trying to prove your humanity. Yes. I see so many people wasting their breath trying to convince people that, this is wrong. And maybe it's needed. I don't know. Maybe there, maybe somebody got to do that work.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> happen. Happen. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> maybe in my younger days, probably when I was younger and more, you know, positive outlook.
3: <laughs> but I feel like um, the
2: work has been done. There's plenty of books. There's yeah. plenty of books that talk about our humanity. You know, you don't have to spend your time doing it.
1: Right. I want to I want to acknowledge a comment that was made by Lejay. She said, um, "I'm resonating with with this. I often feel torn. I don't read every story or view every video because I can't take the horror anymore. But yet I feel guilty for not posting about it and not being educated on each incident. And I do, you know, I I, I hear that because I I do think there's a lot of people who feel like I need to." I need to post. I need to share. I need to learn mm-hmm. more about this. But I often go back to uh, you know a saying that one of my um, professors and mentors said. You know, think about being on a plane that's crashing. When the oxygen comes down, what do you have to do before you help anybody else? Mm-hmm. Right? You got to put yeah. your own oxygen mask on. And if you are taking in and you are struggling yourself. You've got to make sure that you are well and you are protecting yourself first in order to then go out and be useful to so the masses. So yeah. if you don't feel guilty for protecting yourself, you are your best self when you are you know protecting yourself, you're healing mm-hmm. yourself, you're keeping your mind clear. Um, so then you can you know be an act you know an activist, engage yeah. justice engage in some of these things but if there's a, if you're not
2: there, don't feel guilty about you know yeah. doing other things. yeah I've been talking about this a lot within the past like couple of days about um, survival is protest right So I think there's so many different ways to protest the brutalization and the killing of black bodies. So many different ways to do that and marching gathering is one way. Right, mm-hmm. Rallying is one way. Survival in a space that has been shown that the, the purpose is killing Black bodies. Survival is protest. Making it out, like April said, on the other side so that I can practice my activism when I am well, when I am strong, when I am steady. It's a protest to the injustices that are happening. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I definitely don't want us to forget that we are in the middle of a pandemic, you know? So um, I shared that I went to um, the rally on Saturday here in South Carolina. And because of that, I'm quarantining myself for 14 days because we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. it's really important to be able to say, I can't afford to risk my health to go out and protest. And that's okay. What mm-hmm. else can you do? Like, what else, th- what other things can be your form of protest, can be your form of activism? Um, sharing every article does not have to be your form of activism.
4: Right. You know,
2: um, sharing everything, watching every news clip, staying up till midnight, checking on everybody every day, that does not have to be your form of activism. That's okay. It doesn't mean that you aren't doing enough, that you aren't carrying your weight. You know, there are different ways that we can do that Mm -hmm. um, and in ways that are going to be able to help us care for ourselves in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And just to put it into numerical perspective, I
1: have a friend, uh, a Facebook friend who is a uh, doctor and she reported that, you know, the number it's 37 for every 100,000 African Americans are dying. Um, I think it's per day from some from the pandemic. The numbers, when you look at the number of Black, Brown people who are dying from, you know, hate crimes is 39 out of 100,000. So mm-hmm. if we're saying that 37 out of 100,000 is pandemic, racism and the impact of racism and the deaths from racism is also a pandemic. Certainly,
2: certainly.
0: I do want to pay attention to... Um, Sterling's comment, um, yeah, that was really
2: powerful question,
0: and that struggle with wanting to be strong, and this is kind of, I think, with CJ, uh, Dr. CJ, sorry, was talking about earlier that men um, kind of struggle with, or sometimes, and I don't want to just make this agenda thing, because I'm sure all of us have struggled, wanting to just push through, work through, just keep busy, um, and you, you couldn't and you recognize that you had to get it out. And the question was, you know, how to mediate the physical and emotional impact of trauma. And I think the first thing you have to do is allow yourself to feel, um, to feel whatever it is that's coming up. Um, because sometimes what we tend to do is like, when we feel an emotion peaking, you want to bottle it up. You want to sit something on top of it and mm-hmm. hope that emotion goes away. Yeah. It doesn't really go away. Okay, it just manifests in a different area. Yeah. So it doesn't disappear. So by allowing the emotion to, to peak like it comes down. That's the thing about emotions; they are, they can't really stay up unless we're doing something to keep it engaged. But if you allow yourself to feel, whether that's crying, and then giving yourself permission to feel whatever that looks like, that may be screaming, uh, throwing ice. Sometimes I used to tell my, my, my um, younger clients with anger issues, "Go out, throw ice at the road at the road." at the street just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Um but giving your listening to your body and also stopping. When your body says stop, stop. I'll give a perfect example. Earlier today and reopened my complex jam and I was super excited. I was like yes I get to go on the squat machine and I put on the weight that I you know was, was squatting before coronavirus and my body said mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and I, I tried to push Anyway, I was like, no, we're going to do it. And then finally, my body like kind of put, you know, you get a little nut, a a tap. My body nudged and pushed me practically off that machine. I said, okay, I'm going (laughs) to listen. I keep going. I hurt myself. I think it's when we're running from things, listen. And that's what's slowing down enough to hear what is your mind telling you it means.
2: Yeah. yeah. I often say our bodies know what it needs. It just takes us time to catch up to it. Like mm-hmm. the body knows the body will communicate in so many ways. And emotions are like lights on a dashboard of your car. Right. right? And right. so when we think about like our car, a, a light comes on on a dash, um, the gas light, for instance, may come on. And it's like that little at first you're like, dang, the gas light came on. But you don't question it. you be like, "Okay, gas light came on, you know. And we in that moment, you have a choice to stop and get gas, to push it a little further or wait, you know, or like just completely ignore it, you know. And so if you do that to your car, if you stop and get gas, it'll keep running as it should. Right. Stop and pay attention to that light. Do what the light is asking you to do. Do what the emotions asking you to do. Stop, slow down, check in with yourself. If you ignore that light, you end up on the side of the road, right? With more problems than what you started with. And it's the same with emotions. Broke down, hurt, and and okay? (laughs) (laughs) The same thing with emotions. If we don't check in, so our emotions are kind of like that little tap, that nudge, April says, It's it's that light. Check in with me. That's what your body's saying. Attend to me. Ask me what's going on. That's what Mm -hmm. your body's saying. Feel me, right? I'm empty. You know, slow down. Check in. If we don't, we end up on the side of the road. We end up broke down. We end Mm -hmm. up, you know, having to call for help. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that we give space, especially now, to slow down, to check in, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why we started with the meditation. Because we want to give space to slow down, to check in you know, it's a big conversation. It's a lot that's going on. It's important.
4: Yeah, I, I like where we're at because I think oftentimes when dealing with men, because of our emotional vocabulary, and I'm not going to keep going back on our emotional vocabulary, it feels like we're losing power. to be mm. emotional. And so I'm trying to get us to a place where I can say I am taking power by saying I'm going to pull over and just listen to Tupac for a little bit and get my yeah. mind I am saying to, not because I'm breaking down or anything like that because it helps me to still feel those human pieces of manhood that make me feel like a big dude in the room without mm-hmm. feeling like I'm succumbing to something or I'm defeated. It's more mm-hmm. about making the choice myself to say, I'm going to attend to this. And mm-hmm. I'm so interested because my, my dad, a.k.a. my daddy, a.k.a. little Dude, who I love, um, he's <laughs> kind of a little dude. <laughs> my guy. Um,
3: and I love <laughs> him.
4: I asked that man probably about three years ago, like, hey, man, what do you do when you stress out and you can't take it or whatever? And I'm the only kid that probably asked my parents any questions about their own life and emotional experiences. And my dad said, I don't really get stressed out. I don't really know, man. I just get in the car and take a ride. And I, was just, I said, bingo, that's what you do. And it's crazy because that's how I disconnect. Y'all just heard me talk about dirty money. Yeah. You know, I learned inadvertently through my dad that a way to disconnect Mm. and deal with my emotions is through music. Cut off the world a little bit. You know what I mean? Get yourself together. But for men, it is so overpowering to feel like I can't deal. I Mm. can't. I can't watch. I can't speak. I can't breathe. Absolutely. I mean,
1: I mean, let's put it into perspective here. You. Essentially, every morning when you wake up, every night when you go to bed, there's a realization that your body is a target. Yes. Mm. Yes. How overwhelming must that be? And I, it's almost as if we have ingested that that real, and we don't realize how powerful that is to. Our minds, our emotions, our yeah, our hearts. You are a target. You know, how many people do you know get in their car? I I come out of my home every morning and I look around. I'm very vigilant about, it's bright daylight. But mm. I'm looking around, I'm cautious. I think about if I have to make a trip, making sure that I'm gonna be driving during a time where. Maybe I won't be the only person on the road. I give myself time to break down because I don't want to break down in the middle of the night and there's no one around to witness something that could happen to me from a police officer stopping to help me.
2: You know, those
1: kinds of things that I don't think are just a part of, you know, someone who is not a black brown body that is going to think about.
0: Yeah. We had a lot of good
2: comments. A lot of good, good, are, comments. good comments. Some, some great questions. comments. Some people to talked about... I know oh, I was just going to pull some of them up for us. People talked about not checking in on their self. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like what that looks like. You know, Bridget says, definitely ignore my check engine light this week for my body. Now I'm getting ready for bed at 826. Right? I would say, Sharon, like when we first started, I literally have been talking about racial trauma for this full week, the whole week, you know, been processing it for myself, talking about it with other people. Before this started, I had to take a nap. I was like, I got to go to sleep. Like I can't, my body is done. And so I understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another yeah. person said I had to listen to my body today, after being in my first protest yesterday, I find myself, my body is drained. However, I wanted to get back out there today, but my body was saying no. So I just now untied my shoes and said to myself, stop, reboot tomorrow. If possible, it's okay. Yes. That's a victory. Yeah. <laughs> that's your mama. Hey mama. <laughs> that's a victory. Yeah,
0: that's that's but I think the comment between Miss Marilyn and Miss Marilyn and uh, Bridges Comment is recognizing the need to stop. So she put the shoes off I just say, you know what, tonight I'm in bed by 830. So that, that also gives you give you grace because sometimes we get it wrong. We try to push too hard, but give yourself grace to say, OK, if I went 100 yesterday, I'm going to go 50 today and not putting a time limit on it. I think sometimes you think, OK, I, I rested for a day. Let me come back. Maybe you need to. Because, again, what we're dealing with is not going anywhere. There's no need to rush out there as shari said before there are so many roles in every movement there was somebody had to make the sandwiches somebody had to uh, stay envelopes Hello. somebody had to make sure things got ran down the street so there's so many you can donate money if you can't get yeah. out there but listen to your body um there was a comment that mary catherine had said about um talking to other white people about racism and how there you go okay Shari. I'm on it. Um <laughs> <Al>. Moderator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, covered, I think, as I as a talk with so many you know, other white people, as a white woman myself, they see racism as hate towards them rather than infrastructure embedded into our society of justice. Until people can acknowledge that, i mean, going to say was speaking about trauma. Um, uh, and I think it's important to frame it as a system because the word racism has <laughs> we're now where people hate to be called racist and they actually hate to engage in racism. Yeah. So when you say the word, you go, the fences go up. So I think when you are able to discuss it, especially as a white woman talking to other white people, it is extremely yeah. important to talk about systems and how yeah. these things are in place. Um, then you can get to a conversation of trauma, because like you said, they can't even acknowledge that it's a system. We are right. not getting to a conversation about trauma. Right? Mm-hmm.
4: I was reading a piece uh, probably about two days ago that was talking about how the racialized movement in America has come to a place where individuals believe race does not exist anymore is not an issue anymore because of the PC movement, because everything is politically correct. So now in order to be racist, you have to be overt. I mean, I've got to put a cross in your yard with your name on it, your mom's birthday, and your social security number in order for you to know that, hey, this is for you, and it's because you're black. The other things that we're going through that we know are worked, work that are directly in our face are for other people in this nation are giving them a chance to say we're misunderstanding what's going on. And maybe this or maybe that. And it's mm-hmm. really an interesting concept when we're talking about systems, because individuals have now seen that that system or believe that the old system has been torn down. And there's a new system that is here. Unfortunately, I didn't get those glasses. And I don't know what it is that they're looking looking
3: through, but
1: mm. that right. I the like- last time I checked, that system was um, built into our constitutions, yeah. our laws, and and let's just be clear, it was it's not broken. It was built that way,
4: but it's working it's
1: the way it was. It's working exactly how it's supposed to work. I mean, these things were put into place back before Black people were even considered citizens. Why would the system reflects the needs of a group of people who were not considered human at those mm-hmm. times.
4: I think, I think, and I don't know the, the correct way to say it, so I'm going to call him Jimmy Kimmel. I'm sure that's not the right way, but I'm willing I'm to talk show you. host Jimmy yeah. Kimmel? Oh. oh he
2: Jimmy well, Jimmy Kimmel. You pulled that B. You got that B in there. <laughs> he,
4: he, up, he went out on the streets and he was asking regular people just questions about our government and about, mm. they have no clue. So our expectation for them to actually grasp that is gone. It's not like every temp reader should know and understand governmental functions and the oppression that comes with them. They barely even know what our vice president's name is and if he has a function. So mm. I'm not giving excuses, I'm just trying to seek, kind of talk about how things have changed. So I'm trying to get my white allies and individuals who are seeking allyship begin to talk about microaggressions in such a salacious way that it blows it all up so they can feel like it's the most overt thing in the world yeah i I told people my first name is doctor my second name is lieutenant and my third name is cedar two weeks ago my boss said to me oh my god you just have such a way of just speaking when it comes to having these points like I have four degrees. What the hell did you expect to sound like? What are you doing here?
3: You gotta
4: you gotta up, that One little thing up for individuals to see how there was a difference made and then talk to them about how uh, there's a system of people who may believe. As soon as I, I use it as a systematic oppression, it's a shutdown, like you said before. Yeah. Um, I'm not racist. And, you know, Charles, you're my friend. I'm like, no, you ain't been in my house. You don't know how many, no. people, how many pants I got. We cool, no. you ain't gonna pick people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. That,
0: one thing that I have appreciated seeing is white people checking other white people. Um yes. Because yeah. people just are going to listen to people who look like them a little bit more yeah. than they will those who... Uh, especially now, um, because a lot of... We tired. We don't feel like explaining. We don't feel like Correcting. So I have appreciated seeing other white people step in and say, well, hey, this is actually where you're wrong. Um, Because I think part of that defense system is in any situation where people identify more with the perpetrator than with the victim, it's much harder for them to feel empathy and sympathy. So you have to dig a little, kind of pull them out of that, that space. And some people have more bandwidth to do that digging. Yeah. And I
2: think that's where the role of allyship and I really start to hate that word now. So I like the word accomplice. Accomplice. You call them accomplice? Accomplice, because that means you're putting things on the table. You know what I'm saying? As an ally, you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa.
3: I care with you.
2: But as an accomplice, it's like I'm going to put I'm going to put my stuff on the table. And if you go down, I'm going to risk it, too. Right, I'm a risk with you.
1: We had a conversation just kind of amongst ourselves. I guess it was last week where we were like, you know, black people, we we are no longer inviting you to the cookout, right? What we're asking you to do is have your own cookout, invite your friends, and talk to your people. You're you no longer invited to the cookout because what we we don't need you to come into the space to preach to the choir. We get, no. we have. We we need you to go down in the pulpit. We need you to go to the streets, go to the alleyways, get the get the sinners, you know, because Jesus Jesus Christ went and got the sinners, right? He didn't right. go up to the heavens and talk to the angel. They know. <laughs> went got yeah. so for people, have your own cookout, bring your own potato salad with raisins. Y'all sit around, kumbaya, and 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 figure it out, and then go out there and be activists yeah okay one of invitations are 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 done no more invitations. yeah
2: one of the like realest Twitter um feeds that I saw was a white woman who said that she didn't realize the impact of her whiteness until her first protest um some years ago when She was there, you know, amongst the crowd, mixed amongst the crowd, and the tension started to rise. The police started to push back. The police started to, you know, get a little bit, you know, well, a lot of bit um, overwhelming for the crowd. And from the back of the crowd, she heard black people yelling, accomplices, white people, do your job, do your job. And so with that, they went to the front of the protest. They went to the front line and stood Face-to-face with the police and the energy changed. She said there wasn't full calmness, but they stopped pushing. They stopped yelling. And so she, in one of the quotes that she said on there was, you don't know what it is to be an accomplice until you're ready to put your body on the line for Black bodies. And that was the realest thing that I've even, like, even thought about in that way of, like, do your job you know there may be times where where we can't be at the front of the line go to the front of the line put your body on the line you know put your voice on the line put things mm-hmm. like uh, risk something because mm-hmm. you know we we can't get it done by ourselves like april said in order to manage the reactions of trauma we got to change the system right. right we have to change the system and mm-hmm. and and we we can't do that yeah, <laughs> you know, there, there's
1: no workshop that is going to to dismantle racism. There, there is no class that you can take, no certification you can go get, because at the end of the day, when you walk out of that class, guess what? The system is still built for you. And it's not your it's not your fault that the system is built that way. But it is your responsibility to start dismantling that system. Mm-hmm. Right, you're still, mm-hmm. you know, you can have the most well meaning, um, you know, pro black, whatever you want to call it, you know, non black brown person that is still benefiting from the privileges mm-hmm. of racism, and that's not going to change until the system is yeah. changed.
4: Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that vocabulary. Compliance is hard. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry. I didn't come up with it. I I heard it
4: from somebody else. I think I, I think
0: would have know, to say I, I came up with that, but I did not. i
4: know. I'll fight you anyways, Black Love. <laughs> um, but I think yeah. I think I would give more energy. Like Mary Catherine is actually, as she said she's a white woman, and she's in these spaces and she's yeah. doing the work, and she's getting it right, getting it wrong, and seeking. For, I have more patience for that there's some white folks who are actually showing up. I'm excited about that. I don't really know how to mm-hmm. it, But I am excited about that. It's given me a real understanding as to how I'm going to spend my energy. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I think, you know, we talked a little bit about talking about when we were thinking about this live was um, the weaponizing of forgiveness and what it looks like for our community um, to be so forgiving and how that can complicate the trauma or yeah, complicate the trauma, Mm -hmm. increase the trauma that we're experiencing. Um, And so I think that's something that we definitely can bring in, definitely can bring in Mm -hmm. to the
1: discussion.
2: Oh God,
1: absolutely. Again, it makes me think about the rape victim who wants to go in and immediately forgive the, the, the person who victimized her. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, this, it's, it's this weird notion that if I forgive them, I can move on with what's happening to me, like this, this mm-hmm. trauma that I'm feeling. And we see it happen all the time. And it's like, see, it's not that bad. They forgive <laughs> their perpetrators. It's like, really? You don't you don't we don't have to do that. That's we don't have to engage. And like you said, I do think that it complicates the trauma. It makes it, it minimizes. I think it, mm. it gives this idea that it's minimized, that the impact is less than what it actually is. And I also yeah. think that it makes us want to believe that the impact is less than what it is.
2: Yeah.
4: I think weaponization of it can be through it can be relational. It can be mm you know the power that's behind it you know and i think that family structure i'm learning that too your mom just can't say i'm sorry and everything you' forgive just got on your mom or boss right. uh, can't say you know i didn't mean that i'm sorry i value your work and everything's okay just because it's your boss that power structure in the center of that gre back and forth breed relationship is truly the weapon and individuals are ill-equipped so they're gonna cowtail and say you know what mom you know what boss you know what this i'm you know what? You're right. It's okay. We'll we'll move forward. It's not a big deal. Mm. You're not okay. Right. You're, you're not okay. But no. they recognize it, so now they can say, "Well, I told Shari, I'm sorry. I told Eric, I'm sorry. She's just she doesn't want to let it go. Well, no, right. I don't want to but, let it go.
1: But we have, go we back. have become we have become accustomed to offering forgiveness without yeah. receiving any kind of change. Right. Yeah. So forgiveness is expected without changed behavior. And so the idea of I'm saying, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to acknowledge what I did. Well, I don't need you to acknowledge what you did. I, I was a victim of it. I was there. I was present. I, I, yeah. I experienced it. It's not the acknowledgement that needs to happen. Yes, that's helpful. But I need you to acknowledge and then I need you to enact change. That is going to let me know that this is not going to continue or going to happen to you again. And that's the piece that's missing. People want to say, well, mm-hmm. let's, let's acknowledge things. or You know, I've noticed that there's been a lot of businesses that have, you know, put out a, a tweet or put out a post mm-hmm. and said, we, we do not, you know, um, we're not a part of this. Like we, we see that, you know, this is wrong. And I'm like, great, thanks. And then what are you about to do? Like what is the next step now that you have voiced your your solidarity with this movement?
0: Yeah. Um, I think the historical component of forgiveness is it was a survival skill. Yeah. Um and Mary, Mary Catherine, yes, you can share the live. But um if if black people didn't forgive, they would have died of anger. Mm. Um and killed. So I think we also have to to look at things from a, uh, from context. Is a lot of the behaviors, even you know the unhealthy, the ones that haven't let to change, are a result of history. This is what was done in order to survive. I just told the story how a woman was killed because she recorded her husband's lynching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anger, being angry, could get you killed. You would have mm-hmm. to watch things happen to your loved ones and families and say nothing. And to make it better, you would then put religion, where forgiveness, God says, you know, forgive those mm-hmm. uh, as he has forgiven, forgive us our debts, music, gives our debts toys. Oh, Oh,
2: had to catch it. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gotta bring them Bible verses up, girl. But <laughs> like,
0: I think part of that was done to make it feel better. So it's like a little soft you in know, a salve to, to swallow the, the razors a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but now what has happened, and we're starting to realize is getting weaponized, um, and you saw it happen in in, in Charleston. Yeah. The, the, yes. the uh, manual um, nine, the massacre. It hadn't even been forty eight hours before the government, uh, governor, and the mayor were calling for forgiveness, and even the the victims the survivors. Mm-hmm. And you saw what happens is the narrative changed. People stopped yeah. talking about the racism of Dylan Roof and how he had been radicalized and molded to be this monster, and it became like, I got Look at how how forgiven those like, them are. Them, yeah. forgiven and so that the call for forgiveness now is more so to me it's telling you to be quiet yes not mm-hmm. making policing. the policing let this go y'all this isn't good and it's like no let people be upset
2: let people forgiveness should be natural and organic not forced right mm-hmm. right it's like, I, yeah it's- it's- Like you said, it's the policing of our feelings, right? So you don't get to be angry. You don't get to be rageful because that's what we're seeing. We're seeing rage right Right. now. And and I often say that we are not the containers of rage. Black people are not the containers of rage. Like we get to experience those emotions. We get to act on those emotions. We like it should not live in the black body. Rage should not live in the black body. Anger should not have to live in the black body at the at the detriment of ourselves so that we can protect the majority so that we can protect the systems that are killing us.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think also that rage has been passed. That's again, it's it's being passed down because just like April mentioned, from a historical perspective, the rage had to live on the inside. It did. It did. But now, but now you know, like Shari is saying, like it's going to have to. It's going to need to be birthed. got go somewhere. We need to birth that rage out in a way that, and we talk about uh, Britney Cooper all the time. All the time, in a way, we ha- may have to get it out in an elo- eloquent rage may have to right. be the way that we manifest that, but yeah, it's time to get that out so that it's not in the Black body. Mm-hmm. I think
4: that, that, that coping, too, that you both are talking about has been passed down and has allowed us to see some of our passages through Christianity or through old ways of understanding religion and and, and faith to say that we have to turn this cheek and get this be granted. But I also mm-hmm. urge individuals to look at spirituality and religion in that text that when I was a child, I spoke as a child and I was a man, I used man things, whatever the Bible may say, meaning that we have to grow. So what was meant for us back then in that text cannot be the same way that we're responding now. We have to keep mm-hmm. growing. Otherwise, we're using the tools that my grandparents used to fight a war that's happened today. And we're not that's, having yeah. enough conversations to say, how do I use this as a coping mechanism It is truly going to help me cope? It's mm-hmm. not going to help me just swallow something that's not going to go away. How do
2: we do that? Mm-hmm. How do we cope?
4: Yeah. 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 One other thing I wanted to add too, is that, you know, I had a, an interesting conversation with an individual, a white individual, who told me, you know what, CJ, I just don't know what to say. And at that point, mm-hmm. i was just, and we're close enough that I can say, to hell with that. You've had 36 years of your life mm-hmm. to figure out what to say. I've known you for 22 of years. So there's no reason anymore for you to, to say, I don't know what to say, I'm scared to speak. If you know somebody is hurting or affected, David, give me a hug. Ask me mm-hmm. if there's simple things that you can do. Being afraid of being roasted or not saying the right thing can no longer be in that response that we accept and say, you know what, that's right. I understand that. But well, what you could do, I'm no longer here for that. I'm not me yeah, a- yeah. that's akin to accepting your apology. Get your butts up get on this line with me and make a statement. I will correct you if I need to, but at least I know that it's coming from a place of support and of love. I'm okay with that all day. For sure. I- yeah. Uh, there's a comment. And um,
1: think about, I mean, if the worst thing that happens is your feelings are hurt. Like imagine how painful it is for for us as black people to, to, to die or to watch you know, our, our people be hurt. If the only thing that's gonna be hurt is your feelings because someone calls you out, or you say the wrong thing, I think you can survive that.
2: Yeah. But we
1: can't survive it
2: being murdered. Yeah. I was going to say there's a comment from Jenny um, who says, is it possible for white people engaging in anti-racist work and activism through seeing, violence pre- through seeing violence perpetrated, through seeing empathic and continued engagement, through seeing firsthand police brutality to have a triggered trauma response? If so, what should self-care look like when the lives of others are literally on the line? Stopping and checking in on my emotions as a white woman feels utterly selfish.
0: I think for one organization, I strongly encourage um, white people who are interested in anti-racist work is to connect with the showing up for racial justice surge. Yeah. Um, because they, they focus on this. They focus on, um, teaching and educating white people around racism and also what to do, how to process these conflicting emotions, wanting to say something, not knowing what to say. Um, but trauma can definitely, you don't have to be black to be affected right. by this. Like trauma does not discriminate. Um, And I think self-care looks the same as it would for any other traumatic response. It's giving yourself, because it's the same thing. You can't do work if you're tired and if you're laid up in the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, Of wanting to take care of yourself, but there are other lives, and there are people's lives in the line, but finding that balance is important as well. Because having, when you don't come from a full place and you're trying to do the work, you're liable to make more mistakes. Uh, Yeah. Because you're coming from a place of exhaustion and you just want to be a martyr and go out. Meanwhile, we Mm -hmm. can't use you, you can't do anything with that. So if that means you're downplaying, so maybe that means that week you're not going out into a protest. You're educating the people around you. You're yeah. you may post um, links to a donation space. So there are different ways to use your voice to fit what you can do at that moment. I mm-hmm. think that's important to acknowledge because again, sure. if you're if we only get forty-eight hours of work out of you, that ain't enough. <laughs>
2: And I put the I put the um, showing up for racial justice web link in the chat too for um, individuals who want to check out the resources and take care of themselves as they're fighting the fight alongside with us. Um, This is a heavy lift for all of us. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a heavy lift for all of us. And so, you know, just like black and brown people have to take care of ourselves so that we can be steady in the fight. But white people do too, and so you got to figure out how to do that. Um, but by no means does that mean that you don't get to fight. Like that's not, that's not. You can't use that as an excuse, you know.
4: I love that idea, sorry, because I feel like if there is a situation that's allowing the comparative narrative to make me stuck in my pain versus their pain, is called a right. type juxtaposition. I like what Doctor April is saying. Check out. Do what you got to do to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. But in that self-care process, there should be some analysis of where, what emotion I'm feeling and why. Am I feeling yeah. it because of something I've done? Am I feeling shame because of what I have not done? There's something that's allowing me to say I feel pain, but I shouldn't feel pain because this person is still pain.
3: Mm-hmm. That
4: person has its own journey that's in there, and it's important because if you're going to get on the front lines and help us again, I want you clear heart. We're One body, one sound. I need you with so that way. You'd be my account.
2: You're going to roll with that one. Yeah,
4: all day.
2: Well, we are like reaching the end of the live. And so I definitely want to end with talking a little bit about action. We've already started, you know, talking a little bit about like, action. Sure, you, yeah, go before ahead.
0: Before we close. I just want to acknowledge Jennifer had a, a question or a comment yeah um, about the struggle for light-skinned persons of color yeah um, I didn't want to acknowledge, acknowledge that um and I think that speaks to kind of the layers of of any type of racial work which is just work period there's there's mm-hmm. skinned privilege and or biracial you know a lot of biracial and multiracial people um have found themselves struggling with with side, different sides of their family yeah. um, so I think it's it's good to acknowledge um, that, that, like the language you said, but carrying that emotional, carrying that emotional weight and the trauma associated, but also using that privilege to dismantle those systems. Just wanted to acknowledge that. that we
2: saw no, that's good.
0: That's yeah. good. Absolutely.
2: So as we close out, you know, thank you all so much for these comments. Like if you have resources that, you know, like put those in the chat for people, you know, for people who are watching, people who will watch this later. Um, we will definitely, you know, continue to put resources that we have out there for you guys. Um, but we do want to leave you with some action steps, like things that you can do um, in the meantime, um, as we are all. Um, Be become an activist around this or, you know, as we have been activists around this issue. Um, And so want to definitely check out with with some of those things Um, because we don't want you know, I've been there have been times where I've been feeling pretty stagnant. Like, oh, what should I do? You know, um, it's such a big it's it's so big that it's hard to know where to start, what to do, Mm -hmm. um, how to get involved you know, what that looks like in this pandemic, right. you know, versus outside of the pandemic, what it looks like. And so there's definitely so many actions that are out there that we can start to discuss and we can start to talk a little bit about. I'm going to put in also this one of the resources that we have, which is, well, I thought I was until I erased it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hit Isn't the wrong that, button on the keyboard. Yeah, timer? yeah. You want to say a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: So um, a um, classmate and colleague of mine is part of a wonderful um, organization that was started specifically for this. Um, Her name is Dr. Candice Nicole Hargan. Um, She, along with some of her other colleagues, established what's called the Center for Racial Trauma. Um, And it is a a space for, um, you know, black, brown people to um, find resources and ways to um, heal from racial trauma, and it also serves as a place for um, non-white, non-black, brown people to go and get resources on how to be um, an ally, they do use ally, but um, it's a wonderful resource. Um, They have the website, but they also have a Facebook page, so if you want to go and check that out. Um, Dr. Hargens also, uh, recently spoke, um, I believe it's a Blavity article and we can share yeah. that on our page as well. Um, but it's a wonderful resource. It's, um, put together by, um, uh, an array of excellent psychologists and other professionals. Um, and then there's also guided meditations on the website. So we opened up the, um, this live with doing a, you know, very quick kind of deep breathing exercise. There are guided meditations specifically. There's one specifically for black, brown people. And then there's also one specifically for white people to, you know, process, you know, the the experiences that come up with doing this work. Um, and so I would really encourage you all to check it
0: out. And they share lots of different resources as well. There's another um, resource that I've been Passing out left and right. is a Google Doc that a couple of people put together. Shar, I put it in the group me. I don't know if you're able to pull it up. Yeah, I got it. it. Okay, thank you. I'm not able Moderator. to face it. <laughs> You are on it. I'm um, on it. Let me but tell that you. is an amazing, amazing resource, and um, it was kind of curated with like for people, white people into the entire racist work. But honestly, the resources on there are amazing. They give podcasts. Um, videos articles research articles books to read to learn more um and it's an amazing amazing resource so share that with all who are also kind of seeking more knowledge on this
2: Um, it's a great resource and then lajay put in joincampaignhero.org as a resource as well Um, Mm -hmm. amazing resource with so much information different ways that you can um become a part of Despite um, being an activist in your own way. Um, and so that's a really great resource, also. And we'll definitely continue to add resources.
1: Um, you know, you can, again, always come check our Facebook page, um, our Instagram page, um, if you have additional questions or just comments, feedback, you can always, you know, send us direct messages on social media, Instagram. You're more than welcome to email us. We have an email that's three sites and a mic at gmail.com. That's the number three sites and a mic um, at gmail.com. So we do encourage you to just reach out to us, you know, share resources that you have, um, ask us questions, give us feedback, whatever um, you need from us. We want to continue to be a resource for, for you all.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I just want to say thank you, three, for allowing me to be a part of your your movement. Um, it's not surprising that our movement is being supported and held up by African American women, our Black women. All right. You all have been- Say back- it again. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> African American women have been the backbone to many a movement, if not all the movements, whether you're on the front line, the organizing of it all, or behind the scenes, without the credit. Uh, I do know that you all are the reason that there are emotionality, period. You all are responsible for nurturing the Black community, and I want to say thank you for allowing me to do a small part in helping in the fight, but I would be remiss and completely ignorant not to um, acknowledge the gems that you three are. You know, uh, my mom is an extremely strong, bright, intelligent woman because she's always always put forth an image to make sure that I have bright people next to me. So sitting here with you three has definitely simplified that. So I'm really proud to be here tonight. And thank you guys so much for the opportunity. Thank,
2: thank, you. You, for thank you for being on. on. Oh, yeah. Thank you so thank you. much. Yeah. Four degrees, y'all you got four. <laughs> no four. No. No, 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 no
4: Small flex. Hello Flex. Yeah.
2: I'm at three. I'm at three. Wow. That is a cool painting behind them. I love it. Yeah. Just like Michael said, the painting behind you is amazing. Yeah, Yeah, it is. Definitely. And so we definitely gave you guys some things that you can do to like jump into activism at your own pace. What it looks like, what it feels like, Um, but also take care of those trauma reactions. Um, Racial trauma is a very, very real thing. It's a very real experience. Um, you may not understand that you're experiencing right now, but we gave a couple of different um, different reactions, different symptoms of what it looks like. And so make sure to take care of yourself. Listen to those emotions. Check in with yourself. You do not have to be the container of all of those things. It is so important to let those things out, to you know, acknowledge them, to put a name on them and then to work with them, right, to process them. Just because you put a name on it don't mean it's going to go away. We got to definitely process it, talk about it, do things like this, you know. Yeah.
0: Thank you all so much. I think that's strongly, strongly emphasized the self-care portion of this. Take a
2: break of social media. Take a break. Um, Protect your mind.
0: You Can come back, you can come back to it in a couple of days. It's not going anywhere, we're in it for the long haul. Take a break, um, risk saying the wrong things to, to, to my, my white participants and viewers, um, because that's the only way you learn. And I yeah. love what Dr. Seuss said of just with a friend, offer me a hug at, at yeah. the very least. If you don't know what to say, start with the human piece, yeah, start with the human and work your way
2: up to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I had a a, a white friend who um, sent a message the other day and was like, I know, you know, it's it's sometimes rough to get out the house right now, you know, like we've talked about, you know, just kind of that that vigilance, like what's going to happen if I leave, if I get pulled over, what's going to happen? And they offered to just send foods, like do you need like postmates? Wow. You know, like that's wow. like yeah. You know, like that's the way that you can be an accomplice, that you can stand by the side, that you can support, you know. Um, and so being able to do some of that is very, very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Any last words, y'all? Anything that is that you wanna I just wanna thank the viewers. viewers. Um, you know, we really appreciate
1: the support. Do know like we we do this just from our heart. Um, You know, we we don't have any other endorsement, but the endorsement of, you know, wanting to create a space for, you know, people to heal and to learn and to grow. So, you know, we thank you for supporting that mission that we have. And thank you.
2: Yeah, I love that. My protest, my activism is healing. Like, that's, that's what I do. I stand by it, you know. Um, so thank y'all thank you so much any other last words before we do our spiel check us out Yeah, do something I was trying to find a thing that made me smile today
0: today do something that will put a smile on your face so the thing was some dark dark chocolate peanut butter cups that I got from Trader Joe's and it was like the best thing that happened to me all day I was like I'm going to enjoy this moment of just I was so happy in that moment I probably don't have it because I they have, you know, or hidden them from myself. But <laughs> yes, if you yes. Haven't already do something to, that will make your heart smile. Um, mm-hmm. That it's not a disservice to the movement. I promise you, you can laugh, smile, enjoy people, mm-hmm. and be involved. So do something to 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 heal your heart before you go to bed. Yeah.
2: Nice, nice. I love that. I love that. Well, thank y'all so much for tuning in um, tonight. Um, If you didn't get to catch the whole thing, it's definitely going to be on our Facebook page, but we'll also be posting this on for our um, podcast. Um, And you can find us on any podcast platform, three Sykes and a Mike. That's number three Sykes and a Mike. Um, Like Erica said, you can always email us if you have questions, if you've got um, statements, if you want to send us resources to send out, please, please do so. Um, As you are, you know, Listening to us, share us with friends um, because we are here for you guys. We are here for healing and wellness. And so, thank y'all so much. Thank you, CJ, Dr. CJ. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.